the best product. I've been involved in the Patagonia field testing program for a little over 20 years right now. For silent sports done in nature. That's the feeling. That's the feeling that I fell in love with with climbing. Cause no unnecessary harm. Of organic cotton and recycled polyester to recycling the clothing to measuring our carbon footprint. Inspire and implement solutions to the environmental crisis. To give some love back to this river that doesn't have any. It's not getting any love. See what drives us at Patagonia.com. Welcome to the Dirtbag Diaries, a duct tape than beer production. With additional support from Kuat Racks and New Belgium Brewing. I was walking down a beach one day in Florida and uh, viewing all the thousands of hominids walking all around me. And I was wondering just how in the world could you get away from people and their structures and have a real solitude experience in the state of Florida. This is Ryan Means. When I think about getting away from it all, images flash into my head. Photo-worthy spots I've been in the mountains, woods, or deserts. Landscapes with no signs of human impact, except for maybe the trail that brought me there. A sunset over Gannett Peak from deep within the Wind River Range. A star-filled clearing a five-mile skin into the Wallawas. One of those quiet places in the Sierra that means so much to me. We all know that feeling of remoteness, that stillness, that perspective. It's part of what keeps drawing us outside, But this is a story not about a quest for the feeling or quality of remoteness. Because Ryan Means is a scientist, as well as an outdoor person. And when he decided he wanted to get as far away from it all as he could, he meant it in a very literal sense. Today we bring you the story of one family's search for remoteness in an objective, quantifiable way. And what that search has revealed about our country's relationship to its wild places. I'm Fitzko Hall, and you're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. Okay, so let's jump back to that beach in Florida. Ryan decided he wanted to get away from all the people on that beach, but moreover, he actually wanted to calculate the most remote location in the state of Florida. I started thinking about my amazing colleague and wife, Rebecca. We're both just peas in a pod, but she has amazing computer skills. I knew that she could probably do what I was thinking about in my head. I ran home with this excitement and asked Rebecca if it would be possible. She said, heck yeah, it's possible. But before they could make any calculations, they had to agree upon an objective definition of the word remote. Here's Rebecca Means. We had to really think about what, what exactly we were trying to calculate, too. And that, that was a big discussion that lasted months. If you think about the word remote, you think about how far away from it all you can get. But what does it all mean? It means humanity. It really means how far away from civilization and humans and their structures can you get? We had to come up with a definition that was simple yet powerful that also carried some kind of conservation message along with it. We figured early on that roads would pretty much take care of it because every human city 
is a road grid and all the cities and towns across America are connected by vast quantifiable and mapped roads network. Once they had their definition, Rebecca was able to pinpoint the spot in the state of Florida furthest from any road on an island off the coast. We, we disagreed on whether or not we should include islands. From my perspective, I, I feel like it's almost unfair to compare coastal states that have islands with inland states. From Ryan's perspective, islands can be developed. An entire state happens to be a set of islands, Hawaii, and there's a bridge all the way out to Key West from the mainland of Florida. Therefore, you know, islands are part of the equation. With the dilemma resolved, the couple canoed and then hiked to the exact coordinates of Florida's most remote spot on New Year's of 2010. During the process, their excitement quickly escalated. By the time they made it home from their first trip, they had already made plans to calculate, visit, and document the most remote spot in each of the 50 states. And there began Project Remote. This process begins right in the office, as a matter of fact. Rebecca fires up her computer. She quickly found that the GIS files on the roads are hugely inaccurate and outdated. So sometimes it takes her weeks to pinpoint a location. Once she identifies the spot, they talk to land managers, obtain permits, and sort out travel logistics. They cluster states together into one to two month tours to avoid zigzagging back and forth across the country and then they backpack or boat to the actual spots. They spend anywhere between 30 minutes and three hours at each location, shooting video and photographs, collecting data on airplane, road, and boat noise, testing cell phone coverage, and searching for any other indication of human impact. When they are able, they spend the night on or near the spot and assess light pollution as well. And each state presents its own kind of challenge, whether it's obtaining access from the landowner or from the public land manager or physically getting to a spot. Barrier islands off the coast of Alabama and Mississippi can be brutal to get to unless you possess a seaworthy kind of a vessel that can also plow itself aground on a surf-ridden beach, you know. And But Ryan and Rebecca also have a different kind of challenge that limits their options in getting to these remote places their four-year-old daughter, Skyla. She was 10 months old when they started the project, and they've committed to taking her with them on all of their trips. It would be great if we could sea kayak to these places, but while you have your four-year-old that doesn't know how to swim yet kind of thing, so obviously we're not going to sacrifice the only child that we may ever have (laughs) to the ocean, but uh, there's all kinds of ways to skin these kitty cats. The things that were easy when she was 10 months are much harder now and things that were hard when she was 10 months are much easier now that she's four. The big challenge that's facing us now is that when I have her in the backpack, I'm at 50 pounds. And if she gains another couple pounds, we've, we've maxed out the capacity of our backpack. So now we're, we're in that strange part of having a child where she's too Small to hike long distances, but she's too big to be carried long distances. So 
that'll be a really interesting challenge that that we're up against. I don't know. We're just going to have to see what happens in the next couple months in terms of her weight and we'll like keep starving her and <laughs> she doesn't gain any more weight. So far, Ryan, Rebecca, and Skyla have visited the most remote locations in 24 states. Florida, three-day boating trip, the new year of 2009-2010. It was a very interesting experience having a nursing 10-month-old and trying to live on a boat for three days and deal with the mosquitoes. And, and then also the elation of this was our first remote spot, and it was an amazing, amazing feeling. How about Montana? <laughs> The Bob Marshall Wilderness inside the Lewis and Clark National Forest. It remains our largest and longest and most challenging wilderness exposure as a family. Two grizzly bears seen. Idaho, the Idaho remote spot, which was our second longest, 17.9 miles to a road in the Frank Church River of No Return Wilderness. We heard wolves howling at night. The scenery was spectacular. We climbed up to the elevation that we needed to get to to get to a remote spot with a big mountain ridge. And we looked over the other side, and there's an airstrip. Arkansas, what I remember is learning the hard way that you can actually hear the roar of a giant U.S. highway all night long. The sound of roads can carry miles and miles. The Virginia remote spot my favorite remote spot until we headed out west. My home state, out on a barrier island, we had to hike with it about four miles up the island, and it just felt so remote because we were on the coast side, just hiking up a deserted island. Tennessee comes to mind. That featured a five-mile hike down the Appalachian Trail, and um, the actual remote spot was just 25 feet off of the Appalachian Trail and, and just 300 yards from one of the Appalachian Trail camping shelters. The majority of the spots that were hiking spots were all less than a mile from a trail and most of them were less than a half a mile from a trail. Some people would like for us to include hiking trails as equivalent to a road in terms of our calculations, but we deliberated early on and decided that hiking is an activity that should be cherished. And uh, from an ecological standpoint, a trail with a human on it is orders of magnitude less impacting than a road. You know, we're not out there thumbing our noses at people. We're people. And it's not about getting away from human beings as much as it is getting away from the scars on the landscape that we have created. In exactly zero of the states that we've experienced remoteness in thus far, has there been what I call a true 
achievement of wilderness nirvana because of some human-related thing, be it an airplane in the sky, be it the sound of a motor boat, be it the roar of a road, be it the sight of a bottle, you know, rolling around a beach, or light pollution at night, or cell phone coverage. When you whip out your cell phone in Maine in the middle of Baxter State Park and you make a phone call out, you just don't feel remote anymore. But again, we are stuck with and have decided to stick with our quantitative definition of remoteness. You know, we're, we're trying to celebrate the remotest areas of each state. And so we try to focus more on the positive aspects. But yeah, every single one of them there was something that kept it from just being truly, truly remote. When you go down the list, Arkansas, 2.5 miles from a road, Connecticut, 3.2, Delaware, 3.2, Florida, 17.0. Now that's a little more respectable. Maine, 6.0, New Jersey, 3.3, New York, 5.3, Pennsylvania, 2.0. What you get here is Vermont, about the, the average maximum distance from a road in the majority of states that we have done, say for about three or four, is about five miles. And the story unfolding from Project Remote is that it is almost impossible to achieve quantitative remoteness in this country. Ryan and Rebecca embarked upon Project Remote in large part because they wanted to draw attention to the alarming rate at which our wild places are being encroached upon. But the two of them also have their own, more personal motivation, one that may have the greatest impact on the future of our country's roadless lands. Well, as you know, we take our four-year-old daughter along with us, A, because we don't have anywhere else to put her, and B, we don't want to put her anywhere else but with us. And we think it's a fascinating, amazing way for her to grow up. There's the old the saying about how you protect what you love. And, you know, children are growing up learning about processes and ecology on a computer versus going out. Helping Skyla imprint on wilderness versus on electronics and learning the skills to be outside and, and building the confidence of a four-year-old that can set up a tent was a big motivation for me. But it's been really awesome to see her experience these spots too and the things that are normal for her, like backpacking and being out in the woods with wolves and bears. And we heard a lot as young parents about how hard it is to go anywhere with your kids. And most people stay at home because it's a lot easier. And it is a lot easier, but the rewards are so great taking a young child out into the woods. Are you going to sit around the campfire and talk and dream of big things? No, you're going to be taking care of your kid and helping her go to the bathroom and changing her clothes. And so the things that you're doing are definitely different, but the rewards are phenomenal. In Montana, on day 10, she looked up with my eyes with streaming tears and whimpered to me. She said, Daddy, I 
I don't want to leave this place today. I never want to leave here. Why do we have to go? And, and, um, and to hear that makes you, it makes you melt. And it makes you realize as a parent you're doing something right. We as a culture are so dependent on our electronics. Having these remote places where there is not civilization is really important for us to be able to go out, reset, understand once again what is important in life. But you need large spaces in order to do that. We have millions of acres of our country that is owned by all of us. And we think that they should remain as remote and ecologically intact as they currently are forever. I can't imagine a world that is completely sliced up with roads and paved over with concrete and asphalt. I don't want to live in that kind of a world. I don't believe our children or our child does either. And um, that's why we fight so hard to elevate awareness about preserving remoteness. Project Remote plans to venture further west in the coming year. You can find more information about Ryan, Rebecca, Skyla, and the project on their website, remotefootprints.org. They have respected requests not to release the exact coordinates of any of the spots, but have posted approximate locations, data, and stories from their journey. Music today by Battery Life, Angie, and the Car Wrecks. Dead Links, Kelly Ritchie, all courtesy of Mevio's Music Alley. Support for the diaries comes from you, whether it's a pledge contribution, a story idea, a t-shirt order, or an email of thanks. You keep the diaries thriving. If you want to help, you can find all the necessary links at dirtbagdiaries.com. The diaries would not be possible without the good people at Patagonia. After three years of planning, researching, shooting, and editing, the feature-length film, in partnership with Felt Soul Media, Damnation will premiere this March at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. It's supposed to be incredible, and you can find out more information at patagonia.com. I cannot wait to see this. What's a Chaconian? Chaconians pound pavement, trails, and waves. They teach, they reach, and perform all in their Chacos, of course. And now they are a proud sponsor of the Diaries. To be a part of the tribe, Stay up to date on all things in the Chaco sphere. Follow them on Twitter at Chaco USA. Additional support comes from New Belgium Brewing, who encourages you to follow your folly. And thanks to Kuat for their unwavering commitment to keeping the diaries going. This is the little company that believe they could make a better product for you, their fellow riders. See their lineup of roof racks, hitch racks, and gear baskets at kuatracks.com. This episode of the diaries was produced by Becca Call and Jen Alchel. I'm Fitzgerald Hall. Thanks for listening.